Welcome to Tanya's Good Vibes Podcast, where we explore everything and anything that makes us feel good. We party through love and light, and we find the blessings through the tough parts of our personal journeys, period. Uh, my guest today is the founder of Sharing Solace, which is an online community for grievers. She's here today to share her story of uh, infant loss and infertility, as well as talk about her new book, Confessions of a Griever, in the hope that her personal journey of loss, grief, and mourning will encourage others to share their stories, as well as understand that we're not alone when we're, go- when we're grieving. Uh, let's give a warm welcome to Crystal Webster. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing, girl? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to be here today and talking to someone <laughs> that isn't myself. Right, right. That's the best thing about this podcasting so far. I get to meet a bunch of awesome people, but at the same time, you know, share stories and connect and, like you said, talk to another human being instead of Netflixing and, you know... <laughs> Yes. Listening to music all the time, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I've done plenty of Netflixing and movie, you know, everything. But yeah. it's nice to change it up every, every once in a while. Yeah. And, and you know, like, you've been working so hard on your book. So super excited to have that come out. Uh, and uh, maybe would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about your story, uh, where you come from, and uh, and why you're here today? Sure. Um, So like you said, I am Crystal Webster. Uh, I'm in Kansas City. I am the founder of Sharing Solace. I am the author of Confessions of a Griever. But more importantly than that, I am Madeline's mother. Um, I take that responsibility very seriously. And when most uh, moms look down when they're talking to their children, I just get the opportunity uh, to look up. Um, I do everything I do every day, just like any mom, I try to make my daughter proud of me. Um, it, it just happens that eight hours after she was born, she died in my arms. Oh. Um, so that's, that's my story in a nutshell. There's a lot more to that. Um, after we lost our Madeline, um, we found out that she had a genetic condition that kept her from being able to survive on her own, um, which come to find out I gave her, uh, which was its own special compounded grief Mm -hmm. in that not only was I grieving the loss of my daughter, but in my, in my crazy convoluted grief brain, I was thinking that I killed her. You know, even though it wasn't like I didn't do it intentionally by any means, but there was there was definitely that that thought process in my mind. And so we we tried to bring her siblings through the use of science. We did in vitro fertilization or IVF um, three times because of the genetic condition I had. They thought that that would be the best option. Because they said, you know, you you can try again naturally. That's not a problem at all. But for every 100 pregnancies you have, 99 of them will end up poorly. Mm. And just going through it the one time, I was like, I I can't do that. 99 more times. I just can't. And so we tried IVF. And 
to this day, Madeline is still an only child. IVF did not work the way that we had hoped it would. Mm. Um, and so I have, once we kind of finished with the IVF process, I finally decided to take a step back and kind of think through all of the, and kind of start unpacking that hot mess of my life for the last five years. Because there is a lot of, one thing I've found is you never truly get over grief, whatever your grief is. Right. You never truly get over it. You just learn to carry it in a more meaningful and easier to handle way. And I needed to take some time to kind of actually maybe unpack and repack that grief so that I could allow, I could choose to make my life circumstances make me a better person instead of a better person. And did you know, uh, you know, when you were pregnant that you, know, you had this condition or did it just come out when, you know, you had Maddie? So we, we, I had had a normal pregnancy up to 32 weeks. And then at 32 weeks, uh, the technician, the ultrasound technician said, um, I'm going to go get the doctor. Okay. Uh, which you never want to hear. Right. And so we knew at 32 weeks that Madeline wouldn't survive. But oh, we didn't know. We were prepared that, you know, that that was a, a big factor after you gave birth. Oh, yes. Okay. We had a couple weeks while I was still pregnant to kind of start processing. And we didn't know she could have been stillborn. She could have lived. They really couldn't give us a time frame. They said, you know, if she's not stillborn, she could live for a while or not. So be prepared for anything. But in general, this is not going to end well. So be prepared for that. So we, you know, really hoped that we would get to at least meet her alive. And very luckily we could. We did. We had eight wonderful hours with her. And, you know, my silver line, I've had some time to process this. And there were a lot of silver linings in, in our story that looking back on it, I'm glad happened the way they did. Obviously, I would do anything to have her here with me today and anything to be able to mother her from Earth. And also, I can't do that. So I look at the things that happened in the sequence that they happened and see those as my silver linings. It's, it's so, I, I love that you said that, you know, at least you had eight hours with her and you, you got to meet her. I lost, you know, quite a few people in my life as well. And I always say that people are, oh, I'm so sorry you lost your sister at a young age. Sorry you lost your father. Sorry, you know, but I, I used to live in that grief. But then I started saying, well, at least I had a father for 16 years, or at least I had a sister for eight of my years. So I got to experience that time on earth with her or with him. And I wouldn't take that back, even if I knew that I wouldn't you know, have a lot of time with them. So that, that moment with them or those moments with, with them really um, stick with you and you're thankful for them, even if they're not long. So I, I love that you said that. And I think that's very, like, I get to say, at least I had her for eight hours and you get to say about your father and your sister, you know, but yeah. the second that someone else tries to say that, well, at least you got to meet her or at least you had, or that's not a father or you had, yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I kind of equate that to like, I, I'm, 
I'm going to tell you, I'm actually going to tell, this is in the book and I think it's hilarious. So I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> um, I kind of equate those platitudes, you know, like at least, or you don't get more than you can handle, or I kind of equate those to the things I get to say about and to my husband. Like I am happily married to this guy. He's <laughs> Kyle, my husband. Um, I am legally and morally obligated to live with him for the rest of my life, right? Like that's what marriage is. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. I know and get to call him out when he is being an a-hole. Like that is just, you know, like. It is what it is, yeah. Quit being a jerk. I know you're being a jerk. I know this. But the second that you call him an a-hole is you're like, this, yeah, you we're going to go out, out back. <laughs> And, and we're going to have words with our fists kind of thing, you know? So like, I kind of like, I get to say, at least I had her for eight hours. These are my silver linings. Yeah. You know, it didn't kill me. So it made me stronger. Like I get to say those things to myself, but the second that somebody else tries to say those things to me, we're going to go outside and have words with our fists kind of thing. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, f I understand that. Yeah. And, you know, even during the funeral or even now people will say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, or I went through something similar. And I love that, you know, they get to tell me their experiences and we open up to each other. Uh, but when people say, I feel your pain, sometimes I'm a little bit reluctant, like, okay, you do, you've been through it, but like, you don't <laughs> like it. That's, you know, what my journey. And so I get what you're saying. Um, so you, you, it took you five years to really, I'd say you'll, I mean, like you said, you'll never get over it and you're, it's, it's an ongoing, you know, lifelong, uh, journey through like grieving and it, it lit, you know, it stays with you. Right. But the, during those five years, what was your grieving process? How did you find kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel to be able to at least accept what had happened to you? Well, honestly for those, so it's, it's been 10 years since I lost Madeline. She was born May 19th, 2010. And those first five years were really just basically my life on pause. You know, I was, I was healing both mentally and emotionally and physically from giving birth to her and, you know, losing her and going through the IVF process, which is very taxing mentally, emotionally, physically, like, it's just, if you've never been through that hell, don't, unless you have to kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so for the first five years, I really was just kind of trying to survive from second to second, which is not really a way to live your life. I realized I was living, waiting to die. Mm. And that is not, like, that is not a life worth living if you're just waiting to die. And so once we'd kind of finished through and and said okay this is this is it with IVF but that's something you can do you know you can spend millions of dollars and hours and all kinds of stuff but once we kind of said okay that's that's the end of this chapter of our lives let's move on to the next I realized look I either need to live to live or cut bait I'm not going to live to die anymore I'm either going to live or I'm going to die pick one um, wow. and so I decided it was time to live now making that decision and actually doing it are different, 
not, right. you can't just, it's not quite as easy as that. Um, so I started taking baby steps towards living a life worth living. But it took me five years to get to that, to where I really felt like, okay, I've, I, I need to, you know, kind of like hitting my, my own personal rock bottom. Like, okay, I'm at the bottom. Now, am I gonna, is this where I'm going to live for the rest of my life? Or am I going to start digging my way back up? And I kind of decided it was time to start digging my way back up. And baby step after baby step, you know, sometimes I still backtrack and fall down into that hole again. Yeah, we have our days. Especially yeah. when you're, you know, you're about to go to sleep at night. I find, you know, the thoughts come pouring in. And because you're alone with yourself and your thoughts. And it just starts. Some, some days, like you said, some days are easier than others. And they sometimes I think about my sister or my dad or what they would be like if they would still be alive. If my sister would have kids, would I be an aunt? And, stuff, and then, you know, or what, what could I have done to make things better or, or what could I have tried or I don't know and it just it's just a loop and it just brings you so down but um but yeah it just it's ongoing right yep I mean and, and life and grief are just a roller coaster you know some days you're up and some days you're down and some days you're upside down and just <laughs> running in circles um, yeah. you know but you got to take the up with the down and you you kind of have to have one with to have one, you have to have the other as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you just kind of got to decide what, there's no formula. There's no way to, you just need to decide that, okay, this is, this is enough yeah. for me and move forward. Mm -hmm. So how did the idea of sharing solace come to you? That's a great story. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a, I'm a little biased. Just like my daughter is the most gorgeous child that ever existed on the history of the planet type of thing. Yes. Um, so sharing solace actually came to me like a bolt of lightning. And I really think that it was my Madeline saying, okay, mom, it's been five years. This is what we're going to do. And this is how you're going to work through your own grief and help others do the same. Um, I was literally just walking around and saw something that triggered that triggered the whole concept and the whole idea that there needs to be this thing that you assign meaning to um, that's intended to be passed along when the time is right. And I think there were a couple of reasons for that. I had kind of gotten to the place in my grief journey that all of the gifts and things that I had received at Madeline's funeral, you know, the baby blankets and the, the pictures and the figurines and the teddy bears and things, they no longer brought that same comfort that they once did. They just started to bring back that pain in waves. Mm. And I realized that those things needed to be out of my sight on a daily basis because they were bringing back that pain. So to this day, they sit in a box in a closet. And as I was packing those things up, I, I was thinking, you know, like this is not what these gifts are intended to do. Like, right. that's not what the people that gave them to me want. They wanted mm -hmm. to comfort you. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't like, what do I do with them now? They have to be out of sight, out of mind. 
I can't give them away because a lot of them, you know, say Madeline on them or a big and pink and, you know, they're personalized in some way, but I'm sure not going to throw them away because they, even though they do bring back some pain, there's a lot of, of meaning to those. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of between that and the bolt of lightning happening basically at the same time. Um, that's, that's where sharing solace came. So I really think that Madeline is the true founder of sharing solace. I'm just doing her bidding from down here. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. As if she kind of said, Hey mom, wake up here. Here's yep. a, an idea to help other people get through what you're getting through as well and building that community. So t- tell me, I went to check out your, your website and, uh, I, I love the concept of it. Uh, you know, maybe tell me a little bit about how it works. I know there's tokens involved. So how, how does it work? How, what's the process of it? Yeah. So we actually have a two, we call it a two-piece locket. Um, and that locket right now, we have a keychain and a necklace. And the idea is that you keep those two pieces near your heart as long as they bring you comfort. So like I wear my necklace all day, every day. You keep it with you as long as it brings you comfort. And then when it starts to not do that anymore, it kind of symbolizes that it's time for you to release that debilitating, you don't want to function grief. Hmm. Um, And that's when you actually take it off, whether that's off your keys or off your neck. Um, You take out the middle token, put that middle token into a new locket, and then you pay that new locket forward on to somebody else you know that needs love and support as they move along their own grief journey. Wow. Uh, and then the yeah. And then the backside wow. of every inner token has a unique identifier that allows you to register register it on our website and actually follow it as it moves from person to person. Oh so you actually see it going to oh so you see how many people have uh, you know, kind of taking your love and your energy uh, being passed on. Uh, wow. Exactly. I'm actually looking through it right now through the screen and it's actually glowing. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank nice. you. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. But the kind of the idea is that it, it, it's very, sim- at least it's very symbolic in my grief journey in that, you know, five years into my grief journey, I had to release the debilitating grief because I was, uh, I was living waiting to die. Yeah. And you can't, you just can't like, why do that? Um, and so I released the debilitating grief, but you don't ever get over grief. You're still a whole person. There's just a little bit of you missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where that the two piece comes from. You right. take out the heavy piece. You decide to release the heavy, debilitating grief. But you still have some grief with you that will live with you forever. And then paying forward some of the strength and the resilience and the love that you received and gained from your own grief journey to someone else that needs to know that, you know, if it doesn't kill them, it will make them stronger. Yeah. And that you're not alone too, you know, like everybody has their, their journeys and everybody at some point in time in whatever shape or form will uh, experience loss and grief. And it could be of any sort. It doesn't have to be like a person, it could be a job. And, you know, I, 
it kind of sounds silly when you say it, but you do still go through a certain type of grief that you do have to, you know, accept and let go and move on and, 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 you know, get stronger and, and understand why, you know, things are the way they are. And I'm a big, so uh, maybe tell me, you know, um, about your book, you know, where did you get the idea from? Who is this book for? I want to know all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, my, my take on grief is grief is grief. It can't be compared and it's all relative. So, you know, whether you're grieving the loss of a job or a dream or a pet or a person, like, Mm -hmm. it's not fair for me to say, well, my grief is better or worse because I lost a daughter and you lost a father. And it says, like, they're just different. Right. However, there are things that can be, if you if you choose to see the similarities, there are similarities in the grieving process. Um, so the book is truly for anyone that is grieving anything. Okay. Now I speak to my story of child loss because that is the story that I know. And I think it is very powerful to hear others' stories on grief and support and resilience in hopes that it encourages you to see your own resilience and strength in your own story. Um, so I do speak to my story and, and share pretty much everything there is to share about um, my life with Madeline before Madeline, during Madeline and after Madeline um, in hopes that, you can see it encourages you to share your own story as well. And also like putting your own story out there. And uh, you know what I noticed speaking to a few people that have been through grief in different ways, we all kind of share the same commonalities where the first is shock. Like you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. And then it's uh, there's anger. There's, you know, and then, and then feeling lost. Like I, when I was going through my grief, I felt so alone. I didn't even have, I didn't read books. I would just lock myself up in my room and, you know, said, you know, my, like you were saying, kind of hit rock bottom. My life is over. Um, you know, also at one point drowning myself in alcohol saying, well, I want to numb that pain, that feeling that I'm feeling. But then obviously that spirals because then you once that wears off, you're like, oh, okay, I now I feel worse, right? Yep. Um, but that's it. Everybody has their own grieving process. And uh, but at the same time, there are some commonalities uh, that go in it. And and I love that you kind of take the scientific part and the a spiritual part, and then you slap in your, you know, your story and you say, okay, pick your pick your journey, you know, this is, this is where you can go with it. So that's really cool. And even watching my mother, you know, because she, she has a similar story to you that losing a child and watching her go through, uh, not the stages, of course, but the experience of losing a child. I mean, it's been now uh, about 15 years, and she still feels the same way and still has her days and still thinks about her or talks about stories that we had together as a family. And, uh, you know, and then her, her grief process was was so tough on her, you know, she had to stay strong for two other children, her husband, and, you know, and her and she was the, you know, the main breadwinner of the family. So she had to, you know, still go to work and, 
and she had a lot of backlash at work. Uh, she, she actually told me this recently. I had no idea. She would go to work and people would say, well, you know, it was your fault. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe you, because she, my sister passed away from a heroin overdose. So she, so they would tell her, well, maybe if you uh, were m more present, you may, or maybe if you were there, uh, you would have been able to save her in a way or make her not try that. Maybe if you would have educated her or see who she was hanging around uh, and it affected her so much. Of course, she went on sick leave a few times and then she, it was to the point where she had to switch uh, jobs because people, so that people wouldn't know her, what she's been through so that they wouldn't be on her like that. But imagine having, you know, your coworkers, you know, saying, you know, trying to decipher what's happening to you or what's going on or what, how you could have been a better mother, what you could have done to um, save her. It's, you know, and then also going through it your, yourself, because of course you ask yourself questions. Why, you know, why did this happen to me? Why, what kind of mother am I? Why am I, you know, and now I have to protect my two other children. So it, it was just like, a, you know, a, cra a crazy experience for her. And, even to this day, she still talks about it as if, you know, my sister's still alive and her daughter is still around. And, you know, sometimes we talk to her, you know, to my sister and <laughs> up there, you know, knowing that she hears us. But yeah, like, it's just, it's just crazy to watch, you know, these, this grieving process and how it affects everybody around you. And um, the also, I, I actually just wanted to ask you, you know, because you, when when a, a child passes away in, in the family and uh it's such a you know a hard experience especially with a marriage you know i watched my mother and father kind of at one point grieve together and then start blaming each other and 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 going through that and and kind of i guess pushing their emotions and feelings towards each other when they should have you know, maybe worked on themselves a little bit more um, how did you, you and your husband uh, deal with it and, and come out as strong as ever? Well, first of all, I would like names and addresses of all of your mother's co-workers so I can take out some kneecaps. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Because that, oh, like, if you get my face is beat red and I am just livid for your poor mother, because that is artfully crafted four-letter word that I won't say. <laughs> I am like, I am so mad for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to, back to your real question. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, it definitely was a learning process to kind of figure out one, like we each needed to figure out how we as a, as an individual grieve. Cause we had honestly never really experienced something to that magnitude. And I found that I am a world shuts down. I'm going to sit on the sofa, leave me alone. Yes, I'm watching the static on the TV kind of griever. Same. Yeah. And my husband is a, I'm going to go rebuild the house and, you know, knock out this wall and clean out the basement. And he's, he's an active doer griever. And so very early on, we're like, why are you not grieving right? You know, we each thought the other one was grieving wrong. Mm. Um, 
And so we wanted to fix each other. You know, we wanted to be like, no, this is how you grieve. Come sit on the sofa with me and don't move and eat the entire box of Oreos and let's grieve the right way. And he was like, come on, let's go, you know, build a car and do these things and why let's go grieve the right way. Um, and so that took a little bit of getting used to, I think, and just recognizing that we were both grieving in our own way and that it was the right way for us and that it didn't have to be the right way for everyone. And then we also really kind of learned how to be like, pick up on the, I need to be strong for you right now because you need to be weak kind of thing. Um, And I don't really know how to explain it. It's just kind of like one of those intuitive feelings that you have. Like, I just, like, I knew when I was going to be weak and somehow my husband knew, you know, okay, now it's time for me to be strong. And I know, and maybe he doesn't want me to tell you this, but I'm going to anyway. There was one time that I remember vividly that we had just had some friends come over and this is shortly after Madeline had passed and we had some friends come over and, you know, we were just trying to have a good time, just kind of forget. And they had left and we were kind of turning things off, you know, lights off and the radio off or whatever. And he just broke down. And I, I don't think I've seen him tear up since really. And I just knew that even though I also was, week at that moment I needed to muster up all the strength I had for him and just tell him it would be okay and whatever I could do and I'm not saying I could do much because you really can't in those situations no Um, sometimes just just being there you know some people yes I help just just be here even sit sit next to me yes And so I just knew that I needed, and I know that there are many, many times that he's like, I need to be strong for you. But that is one time that I vividly remember thinking, I need to be strong for my husband. Yeah. Um, And that took a lot of learning and a lot of figuring out. And there's still, you know, just like any marriage in any relationship, whether you're married or just friends or coworkers or whatever, you know, you, you have disagreements and you have altercations and you are just trying to figure each other out. But if it's important enough, you'll, you'll figure it out. Right. And you'll be strong for each other and kind of lean on each other. And yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I, did that make any sense at all? I no, felt like I was just rambling. No, no. Sometimes I feel like that too, but no, no, it made total sense. And, you know, I'm always, I always like to know, you know, the, the people around you, you know, for me, I've always had to be strong, strong for my mom, strong for, you know, and so sometimes I would deal with my grief alone and have people lean on me. And over the years, I realized it's, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to cry. And it's okay to, if let's say you, you know, come out and you're talking to a group of people and you tell them your story and they just, they get so awkward and they don't know what to say, but you could still feel them empathizing with you. They just go like, Oh, that's like a touchy subject. Right. So, um, but you know, yeah, like it's, you made total sense. That's what I want to say. (laughs) Um, 
I want to, I wanted to ask you this question, uh, maybe before we, we, uh, we say our goodbyes, uh, but it's just something that, you know, I was, you know, looking at your website and, uh, you know, reading a little bit up, up on your book. And I just, you know, I was like, wow, like this woman is so strong, but in the, it also showed that how, how Maddie was the one that actually made you strong and made you successful and make, made you who you are today. So, you know, I was like, wow, she has this little angel, you know, up help, guiding her, uh, you know, become the best person and find her purpose in life. So I think that's awesome. But I'd like to know um, through that, what did Maddie teach you about yourself? She taught me so much. Probably the thing that I learned the most through her was how to just be a better human. I found like, I think all 20 somethings, <laughs> um, you know, you, you kind of go through life kind of preparing for the next thing and you go to high school to go to college and you go to call it, you know, to get a job and, and through your twenties, you're very, um, you're very focused on status and status quos and making sure that you keep up with the Joneses. And, and I, I think that's just kind of the nature of the world and society as a whole, like in your twenties, you need to kind of be a little bit selfish and you need to focus on the things that will prepare you for, you know, the real world. The, next, <laughs> the real world. Yeah. Um, and so especially, you know, out of, right out of university and getting my first real job and doing all those, like, I was very focused on numbers, you know, whether that's the money I had in the bank or you know, the number of friends I had or, you know, like, and I think that's just kind of the nature of living through your 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and I had the luxury, I'm going to call it the luxury of getting knocked off that pedestal very early in life. Because um, when Madeline died, I realized, hey, guess what? I can't buy my way out of this pain. I can't buy my way into having the ideal, perfect life, you know, with the two dogs and the four kids and the picket fence. And like, I can't buy my way into or out of relationships. And I learned very quickly and very early on what was truly important in life that I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to learn until later in life when they, I just don't think most people learn until later in life what is truly important to them. And I realized that experiences are so important to me. And, you know, it wasn't about the big house and the fancy car and the, the titles and you know, that's all ego. Um, and while I still have an ego and I still like, I don't think anybody ever really gets rid of the ego and wanting to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not yeah. stupid. Um, but I also realized that my goal is not the Joneses anymore. It is to have meaningful relationships and meaningful experiences. And I now work towards that that I don't think most people get in their twenties and thirties. No. no, you know, it's not until after they've maybe had a family and, and, you know, are now on the retirement side that they really truly realize what's important to them. And so I've, I've, I'm a better, I'm a more compassionate, I'm a more loving, 
I'm much more of a hard on your sleeve kind of girl. And I, I think that if, you know, I had been able to check all the boxes like you're supposed to as a, you know, as a human, um, and not had to go through the loss of Madeline that I wouldn't be where I am today. So although I would much rather, in a perfect world, I would rather have her here and be super, super egocentric and only care about the fanciness because that is not my reality. I know that I'm a better, stronger, happier, healthier human because Madeline was here and has already left this world. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, Sorry, and, that was a really long, convoluted no, answer. <laughs> no, it was great because you, you led up to it. I love it. And, and it's true. Like you, like you were saying, in your 20s, you just, you're just going through. You're like, yeah, I want to be this and I want to do this. And then, you know, something happens to you that makes you like, oh, wake up. Like, wake up and realize like, oh, maybe I'm, life is precious and maybe I, I should, you know, enjoy, take a second to enjoy what's happening to me and who the people around me, like, you know, my friends and my family that I do already have, uh, because one day they might not be here and pain, although it's the worst feeling in the world also is the best for growth, personal growth. And you can only really get stronger through your mistakes and through your painful experiences uh, as crazy as that is, because that Ferrari is not going to help you. It's not going to make you grow any much more than um, nope. that job title, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. So awesome. Well, I just, Crystal, I just really want to thank you for, uh, you know, being so vulnerable and open and coming to share your experiences with us today. Um, I, my podcast is called Good Vibes, but I do want, I do like to bring, you know, guests like you here to really show that um, Good Vibes also comes from the tough parts of our personal journeys. And it's not only like everything's happy and sunshine and rainbows, uh, you know, and that you can push through and become the best version of yourself. So, uh, you know, I, like good for you for coming here and, and, you know, making this, uh, writing this book and, and, and building a community. I think what you're doing is, is amazing and you're going to help a lot of people. And it's all thanks to Maddie. Honestly, it's, it's all her doing. I'm just, I'm just the puppet to her puppeteering. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with me today. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners who tuned in uh, again for more information on Crystal's book and where to connect with her. Please check the description below. Uh, if you want to see her, uh, see or hear more good vibes, please subscribe, like, share this podcast with a friend. Uh, always love to hear your reviews. So please let me know what you think by leaving a comment and blessings and good vibes to all you beautiful people. <laughs>